Welcome to the Oklahoma Baseball Experience. I'm JB, he's Schultzy, and we've got the wise guy. We're your one-stop shop for everything Sooner Baseball. So join us as we descend into chaos. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of the Oklahoma Baseball Experience. Uh, Johnny Baseball, Schultzy, how we doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a little while. We, we missed you last week, Schultzy. It was it was a good time. Uh, and, and honestly, I think, you know, I think we were, what, two and two against Stanford and then and beat Oral Roberts all while I was in California. I think the key to this season is is me just getting out to California more often. <laughs> yeah, you may <laughs> just get a house out there, I guess. Hey, that's great weather, though, man. Now, would you believe it? It was colder in San Diego than it was in Tulsa by like really? 10 degrees. Like it wasn't necessarily even close. Yeah, we had some good weather um, in the Midwest um, last week. We we had some decent weather except for Thursday night. Do you remember the pea soup that was sitting over Norman against Stanford on that Thursday night game? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty pretty nasty. Pretty wretched, man. Schulte, what did you do out there on your trip? I saw you went to a Padres game, I believe. Went to a Padres game, uh, had dinner on the Midway, which is an aircraft carrier. It was a, a conference for financial advisors, so, you know, it was – pretty much all day affairs. I mean, it was like, you know, the jet lag of two hours behind over there and, uh, you know, going from seven o'clock in the morning till at least five o'clock at night and different breakout sessions and stuff. So I got to actually enjoy a little bit in the evenings. Now, here's something I wanted to throw out there because uh, Petco Park was honestly pretty disappointing from a ballpark perspective. Like it was pretty ho-hum. you could not see the scoreboard from the concourse in any part of the ballpark. I mean, you just can't see the you can't see the scoreboard, which is I think a travesty because when you're walking around, you can't really tell what's happening in the game. Um, and honestly, the food was there was only like three f- places where you could get specialty food. Everything else was just your generic nachos, uh, basic hot dog, or you know what have you. So. Uh, pretty ho-hum ballpark. It's not the worst ballpark I've been to. It actually might be. That or Coors Field is, are, are now my worst, too. <laughs> but I wanted to throw it out to you all. What is the worst ballpark you've ever been to? And then maybe we'll move to what was the best. Oh, man. Worst ballpark. Um... I'm going to go with Obrate. <laughs> it's, a, uh, uh, it's a shit heap, and we should probably bulldoze it. <laughs> Well, I will go with when I was playing at Oklahoma, probably not the worst ballpark I've ever been to, but playing like at that level, it was when we went out and played at um, Cal State Bakersfield. That was, it was a goat ranch out there and it was worse than most high school fields around here. It was, it was pretty bad. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was a division one baseball field. Interesting. But yeah, it was, it was rough, but we had a good trip out there. We, we won a few games. But hey, Schultz, I wanted to ask you. So I saw a tweet um, the other day from our friends over at um, Lupton Beers, um, the guys you did the podcast with with TCU. Yeah, yeah. And I saw they're doing on Saturday for their home series a nine by nine by nine challenge. So apparently they are eating nine hot dogs and having nine beers over the course of the nine inning game. I think it's one per inning of each um, that they're trying to do. Uh, did you do that when you were at Petco? No, not at all. I've never even actually heard of that until I saw their tweet, which is which is pretty interesting. I'm curious if we can if they can get an over. I, I might uh, 
shoot him a DM and say, can we get an over under uh, line on, on how many innings you'll make it? And, yeah, I definitely want to see some videos from Saturday too. I yeah. think the seventh and eighth inning videos would be pretty pretty epic there at a baseball game after nine or eight seven eight beers and seven eight hot dogs. I can't imagine they'll, they'll be feeling too too hot. Johnny, what would you set the over under at on the uh, nine by nine by nine challenge? Well, first of all, I'm I'm offended on many fronts here because <laughs> there's a name for this. It's called the Babe Ruth Challenge. And is it? Yes, it's it's nine hot dogs for nine or for an entire game. It is not just nine innings. It is in case it goes extra, you have to go extra with it. No shot. <laughs> and it is it, at 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 a glance, it seems like it is doable. It is not doable. It is very difficult. I have tried this several times. In fact, I have several tweets where I've like shown where I have my hot dogs and uh, buns and every, like beers that I'm going to drink that day out, like set out. And did- like, I didn't make it, dude. I, ha- I have, I have not even come close, maybe like six, seven. I mean, I guess you can consider that close, but it feels like it's a mile away when you were on hot dog six and beer six. It does not look at a glance like it is doable to me. I don't know about you, no, Schultz, but that no. is that's not that didn't even cross my mind like yes, I could do this. Oh, I well, the first time I saw it, I was like, no, that can be done, man. I could do that easy. I no. can do the beer, but adding in the hot dogs, that's just it's taking it a little too far for me. It's a it's just a big old block of cement in your stomach. <laughs> I'm seeing I don't I do not know how the what is it, Joey Chestnut? I don't know how he does that crap. You gotta like, dunk the bun in the you gotta dunk the bun in the beer. Yep. You know, that is the only part of the hot dog eating contest that I don't like. Like, I actually am like, 4th of July is like my favorite holiday in, in the entire world. And so like the part of that is watching the hot dog eating contest. But like my kids have to leave the room because they think it's so disgusting. And it, it <laughs> to be honest, it really is gross. Like, do you want to dip your hot dog in lemonade and, and then drink it or no. eat it? No, but I, I'm definitely not dipping it in beer. <laughs> That's for sure. So it sounds like the Babe Ruth Challenge is probably happening on Alumni Weekend. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, see, I I, I don't know if y'all saw the graphic I put out the other day, or maybe I just sent it to Brandon, but uh, I'm thinking we might try a a Doc B Challenge where we have nine slices. Slices of pizza. And nine beers. So here's here's my thought on on this whole endeavor. You know, if – if you were to to actually try and do this, what day would be the best day to do it? I wouldn't want to do it on Friday. No. I I feel like you'd have to do it on on Sunday because you'd wreck you'd wreck the whole weekend. That is what you you're doing. So? Yeah, you're I mean, you're going to feel terrible. Nine hot dogs, man. You are going to be awful for the rest of the weekend. So just do it on Sunday. Take the day off of work uh, on Monday and, and call it good. <laughs> You have to take a week off afterwards. Man. Yeah, I feel like it's a Saturday move. That way, you can lay around all day Sunday. There you go, and you you still get to watch two baseball games. Uh, yeah, you know, and you would need good. it to be a, a midday game. That way, you have like the afternoon after the game to maybe walk a little bit of it off. Um, try try to get a little bit of it out of your system, maybe, so you're not as bad on Sunday. But definitely not a Friday night game. So, are we under the assumption that this is an away game that we're going to be doing this at? <laughs> or are we doing this at a home series? Like, are we doing this out on the berms or up on the concourse? Because I have a feeling that OU might not be real pleased with anybody yakking up there by uh, Toby's booth. Yeah, I, I think it would have to be an away game. Because if you do it at, at uh, 
L Dale, you may have to do a Friday night game and just spend the night out there on the berm because you're not going anywhere. Be there ready for the Saturday game. I have to roll you to the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I saw that. I was like, that is hilarious, but that does not remotely sound like something I am going to try. So it's not just one person who's doing it. It's all like all the members yeah, it's all five of, their, of them. Yeah, yeah. Of their crew are doing. They're uh, and they're raising money through it too. I think. I think. I think funds so they can buy the beer and the hot dogs. I think yeah. <laughs> that's like a hundred bucks right. a person. Oh, it is. I think they said five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I, and they raised it within a couple hours. I believe. I'm sure they did. I'd pay to see someone do it. Yeah, I would too. I, I don't disagree. Well, see, see is how if we did a a Doc B challenge and we did pizza. On Saturday, I'll have all the pizza. If anybody wants to do uh, a Doc B challenge, man, you have box after box out there pizza. You just got to provide nine beers. Here's the thing. We talk some of the, the frat guys that are going to be out there on the berms into doing it. You know they'll do it and just get um, Barstool OU to tweet it out like, hey, here's the deal. Here's the challenge. I think you would get a lot of people trying that challenge. I mean, I, if anybody like comes up to me on the berms and is like, I'm going to do a uh, – a Babe Ruth or a Doc B challenge, I will immediately like put them like they will become the focus of the day. Like anybody and everybody who wants to do it, they will become the focus of the day. I will put the spotlight on them out on the berms. Hell, I might even provide a couple beers, but that would be, that would be pretty legit. And I do believe the, the frats would, would succeed wholly with that. Oh, a hundred percent. I think we should quote tweet the Lupton beers at OU Barstool and see, see who's going to try that at one of the next OU baseball series. I think it would get some traction. I definitely, if we reached out to uh, to Barstool, I guarantee you'd get a few <laughs> few people yeah. who'd do it. Oh, yeah. that would be great. And we've had some fraternities that have sat by us on Saturdays. Like, I, I don't know, remember who those guys were. They never tell us what fraternities they're with, but uh, there was some rowdy, rowdy fellas down the way a couple weekends ago that where they were, uh, I think they could definitely do it. You remember that guy who had the <laughs> he had the flag going through his shirt and then down through his shorts? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that one. Well, right, what are you holding that with, man? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of um, barely making it through games, how are we feeling about the season at wanna, this point? You want to end the episode right now? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> just kidding, man. Man, we're at a uh, we're starting to get to a crossroads. It's I mean, it's either put up or shut up the rest of the way. We gotta you gotta make some moves and I think Alex has said it best, you're gonna have to win some series that you probably weren't supposed to win. Yeah, I think I, I we talked about it a few weeks back. I, I don't remember what point it was, but it was a few series ago where we're talking it wasn't panic mode quite yet because there was a lot of season left. I think we still had two thirds of the season left, but now, when you look at the schedule, there's not a whole lot of opportunity there left. I mean, there there obviously is with Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Like you have quite a few series left, but you also you don't have much margin for error um, with midweeks how they kind of went earlier in the season. Um, a couple series with Baylor and K State that you should have won, possibly swept one of them um, to get four or five more wins. Um, you're getting to a point where I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say panic, but it's one of those where you're going to have to go out and win some of these series against Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State, and maybe sweep one or two um, just for win win loss purposes to get your RPI up. Um, and then obviously you got to take care of business against the Kansas series. Uh, West Virginia's a good ball club; that'll be a tough one as well in Morgantown. Um, but go up to Gonzaga. It, it's we are 
probably a little over halfway, I would say, or right at halfway. So we're, we're running out of time a little bit. It's time we're going to have to get hot and get on a run here, um, string some series together, string some wins together, um, or we may be sitting at home come, come regional time. Alex, I'm glad you brought up RPI because I think, as we all know, I'm a huge fan of the stats and the numbers. Um, it's just it's just part of who I am. I can't exactly turn it off. But the good news, I think, right now is that we are not we're, we're sitting at 64, which is not as bad as I thought. You know, if you look at some of the series that we've dropped, would be. And the the really crazy part of that to me is we have a winning record against quad one teams. It's the quad four teams that are killing us. Those bottom tier teams that we can't seem to do. And I think that kind of helps portray the story of the year in that we've just kind of played up and down to competition all year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, I know we talked, we, we struggled early in the season with some midweek games against teams. We feel we definitely should have beat and been able to win three or four of those that we ended up losing. And then, you, you play and split with a number seven Stanford um, in the country. Um, but then you also go play, like we said, K-State, Baylor, two teams that most likely are going to be towards the bottom of the conference that you expect to go in there and win the series, if not sweep one or two of those series. Um, and, and those are ones you have to have. Cause I mean, I think we're sitting here at what an 18, I think 18 and 16 record. Mm-hmm. And you still have series against, uh, arguably what four of the top five teams in the conference with tech, Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma state. So yes, we have plenty of opportunity ahead of us for, um, to help our RPI get some wins, move us up the standings in conference, but it's also not an easy road and we're going to have to start playing better baseball if we're going to win some of these series and, and, uh, make a move at getting into regionals. And it's not like there's even any anywhere in particular we can pinpoint that we need to fix because there's problems all over the place. And I know nobody's going to want to hear anything negative about their kids or about this team or about, you know, you know, the, the status of what's going on as it is. But you're right. We've got to start playing better baseball. If it's not starting pitching, it's the bullpen. If it's not the bullpen, we're not hitting. If we're not hitting, we're getting you know thrown out when we do get on base. You know, one of, we're doing some things incredibly well. We are getting on base quite a bit, but we are also stranding a ton of runners. I mean, that was kind of the one of the things that we had that you know didn't work out well for us last year either was leaving guys on base, but we made made up for it in other ways. We had other we were able to you know overcome those with high scoring games with uh you know having guys that were you know hitting 20 home runs in a season that's it right there yep you know and it's not that we lack any kind of real real talent i mean we played we played injured you know and but we have also played flat and i've watched enough baseball to know when a team looks flat and there have been times over the last few weeks where it is glaringly obvious that I mean, not that they don't want to be there, but that it's just, there's just no oomph or energy or whatever you want to call it. But we're going to have to find something because like we've been saying for the past you know couple minutes, it is getting to a point where you either start winning ball games or we start planning, planning for, you know, what we're going to do during the summer. Yeah, I think. I think the big thing is, I think as a team, just been super inconsistent. I think inconsistent with energy, inconsistent um, on the mound, at the plate, um, offensively as a team. I mean, you look at it, we go and 
lose to Stanford, give up 23 runs, then the next day we throw a 2-0 shutout as a team. Then you play another good game, win 6-5, and then here you go, giving up 16 runs again. Then you get into War Roberts, play a great game, 12-2. Complete game, you're like, man, this team may be turning a corner. 2-2 two, two and two against Stanford, play good in a midweek game. Then you get to Baylor, get a four-run lead in the in the first game, and that's awesome. And then don't score again until the eighth inning, lose 10-6, end up losing the, the series at Baylor. But then you come out this week in the midweek game, and you win a very solid 8-1 baseball game against Wichita State, who you lost to tw- twice already this year. So the inconsistencies just right there in the last eight games has been just kind of glaring. It's kind of um, been a replication of what our season's kind of been, um, I feel like. And we, we've really just kind of, and I know we've talked about this previously with each other, but I mean, we've just kind of found ways to lose. I, I mean, it just, you know, it, it kind of, you can just kind of feel it coming, but you know, let's put some of that negative aside. Let's talk about some positive things here um, that maybe, you know, do give us that push into uh, the harder part of the conference schedule here. Uh, Madrin's really coming on. And, uh, you know, when we were talking at the beginning of the year, we were talking about his walks and uh, how many walks he was taking. And I think that really at, at some point hurt him on being able to see the ball well when you're just constantly getting walked. You're just, you know, probably not as locked in uh, from a hitting perspective. So, you know, I, Alex, is there, Johnny, is there anything you've seen from Bryce lately that kind of might tell why, why he's starting to pick up? Oh, he's locked in, man. I mean, the kid is, are we seeing banana ball? I know he's not, you know, wearing a kilt out there, but he's making plays. He's getting on base like he has been all year, but now he's starting to really, really hit the ball. And I, I mean, I, I love the energy that's coming out of, of that part of the lineup. I mean, we, we are, have started moving things around. You're seeing KP start moving towards the middle of the lineup. Uh, I mean, Madrin's belongs where he is. And I, I'm glad that we have trusted in the fact that, you know, he just needed to find find his group because the patience that uh, that we had on him, I don't think a lot of people, you know, would really would really do that. And I'm, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm glad about is that we waited for him to come around because you can't just take a guy who's a 2020 dude and put him on the bench. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he's come on. And I think obviously the walks have been huge this year and that's that's why he was still up there if he wasn't walking as many times and having the good at bats he was obviously he wouldn't have been up in the top of the lineup oh most definitely but i think the thing you saw earlier in the season too is you knew he was going to end up hitting because it seemed like every single game he had great swings and he was fouling stuff straight back he was just missing just missing pitches working counts and then get a rollover or a pop up he just wasn't connecting but you could tell he was close and it seemed like it was like that through the first, I don't know, 20, 20 games of the season. But yeah, the last, I would say 10 games, he's really come on strong. Um, still having great at bats, but now he's starting to put, put some balls in the gap, um, put a couple over the fence. So he's definitely, he's definitely coming on. Um, and I think the other person that started to have a little spark is Spikerman. I feel like he, he's been on base a little bit more lately and kind of started to wreak some havoc out there. And obviously he's a great center fielder. He's one of those guys you, you can't replace out there. He's making, great plays and saving quite a few runs just from his playing center field. But I think, I think there's uh, still a point here pretty soon that John Spikerman's going to, going to get hot. And I think, I think he is the key to kind of this whole offense going. I feel everyone feeds off, feeds off his energy and his play um, just with how dynamic he is um, when he's out there on the bases. Um, I think 
I think we're gonna see we're gonna see him get hot here pretty soon. I think it's a little bit of the same thing that's going on with Madrin or Madrin right now. Is he was squaring stuff up. He's been putting balls in play. In now it's starting to to come around, and some of those balls are starting to land. In the paint, like I said, we've had patience with him, and you know he had to. I forget what game it was. He had to sit out. And it seems like ever since that day, he's really started to to come on. And something else we can be looking forward to is apparently uh, Butter will be returning to the lineup this weekend. So that's something to definitely look forward to. It's something to watch. I always, you always wonder how the first weekend back or the first games back from coming off of a long stint of not playing will be, you know, how easy is it going to be to return to the form uh, that you had previously? And uh, I believe he had an oblique injury. So uh, man, that, that would be in my mind, a tough injury to come back from and play all out just because it's so easy to, Reaggravate. Have either one of you had an oblique injury? I, actually, I have not, but I've heard they're awful. I actually have, um, and it is tough. I I I was only out. I think five or six games. Um, I was in JUCO, and I was playing center field. And there's ball hitting the gap, and I dove head first straight into the chain link fence, um, and like kind of got all crunched up, and like it. I thought I like broke a, a rib, but ended up being oblique. Um, but yeah, it is something that. If you don't let get completely healthy, it's just going to keep nagging and get back to where it was. Um, so, and that was kind of midway towards the end, midway through the season, maybe towards the end a little bit. And so at that point I was like, well, I'm just going to play through it all the summer to kind of get better. But yeah, it, it is not a fun one. Uh, there's no doubt about it because you use it and everything. I mean, I don't know which oblique it was, but throwing, especially if it's like his right side, there's, there's no way um, throwing the ball and making the, making the place he does it short. Um, but yeah, and as far as coming back after sitting that, that length of time, um, I mean, that's what, just speaking from experience, that's what happened my junior year when I broke my hand, I was out um, six weeks. So yeah, coming back, it was, it was a struggle because during that time, especially the broken hand, like I'm not seeing any live pitching. And as far as his end, I, I doubt he's seen any, he may be standing in the batter's box when they're throwing bullpens, um, just so he can kind of keep an eye on it, see it. Um, obviously stay in the game a little bit that way, but it, it takes a little bit. It's almost like the beginning of the season when you get off to a slow start because you've just spent the whole winter hitting in the cages, not seeing live pitching. Um, so it's an adjustment and I'll, I'll be surprised if he comes back just hitting like he was when he left. I, I think it'll take maybe a series or two um, to get going. Um, but hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong and he can just come back. Like he didn't, didn't skip a beat. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad about this thing or feel like we need to even worry because I'm no medical professional. Alex, I didn't miss any games, but I uh, I missed a few days of work back in February because I pulled an oblique. I was lifting some firewood in my backyard, and it didn't really hit me right off the bat that I had done it. I just felt like I had a stitch in my side. But the next morning, I could not get out of bed. That's how bad it was. And I did not get out of bed that entire day and then it was like two or three days later that I could finally even really stand up to walk to do anything that was even worth worth a damn it absolutely sucked the entire time there was one point where I was complaining so much because it hurt to breathe some at some point and so I can imagine that Re, you know, re-agitating because it's all side to side motion, and that's pretty much what baseball players do. 
and I can imagine that re-agitating it is definitely something that we need to, to be weary of, but I'm excited to have him back in the lineup regardless. The the kid just immediately elevates our lineup offensively and defensively, and so I'm I'm excited for it, but you're right. I'm I'm a little weary that it might be something that may linger over, you know, the rest of the this of the season. I'm interested to see the decisions um that will have to be made um from from Willits and and Skip on the lineup. Um, cause you kind of have, seems like when he's back and obviously I, I don't know how long Easton's out. Um, oh, yeah. so th- that'll be a little different, but when Easton's back too, and once we have, um, everyone healthy, hopefully cross your fingers, we can get everybody healthy at the same time. There'll be some interesting decisions. Um, cause just looking down the list of the guys you got, especially with obviously Easton and Rocco playing well, they're going to be in the lineup, but then like, what do you do? Because you have. McKenzie, you have Pettis, you have Madrin, you have Jackson Nicholas, Wallace Clark, John Spikerman, but then you have Dakota Harris and Sebastian Orduno, who's had great at bats. Yeah, Orduno's doing great. <laughs> so you have what eleven guys, essentially for nine spots. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, if we can string together some wins and you know make a little bit of a of noise towards the the Big Twelve tournament, having eleven guys that are available in any given scenario. I mean that that's great for tournament time. If we can can find uh you know some consistent pitching, you know, there's a good chance that we might see a little bit of uh of of a shake up here towards the end of the Big 12 slate. Who has been healthy the whole year? Just thinking about it. Nicholas Madrin. Madrin Rocco, it doesn't seem Rocco. like he's been injured. Yeah, yeah, I think it's those three. I think those are the only three guys. I mean, ja- or do you Jackson. Know, yeah. Oh, did you say Jackson? Yeah. I mean, that's, that isn't, I mean, you know, don't want to make excuses, but I mean, that is insane. I don't think, I don't think there's many other teams in the country that are, have had two thirds of their team in, injured starting lineup wise. Well, McKenzie, maybe, maybe close to two thirds. No, it's a great point. Um, but unfortunately, I don't feel for the most part of the season, the offense has been too big of the issue. I feel like we've, we've given true. up a lot of runs. So, I mean, the offense obviously could have done a little better, and if we had all those guys healthy, probably put up a few more, few more runs, um, cause a little more chaos. But I feel like we've struggled quite a bit on the mound, which has kind of been our Achilles' heel um, through the season so far. Uh, just from my point of view, there was a time last season as well, and I remember Toby talking about this a lot during the games where uh, he talked. You know, you talk about the tack on runs. Uh, I think that's something that maybe having those guys back allows us to do. I think when you just have a three or four run lead, it seems surmountable. Like it seems like you, you know, you could chip away at that and and be right there in the ninth inning and put a lot of pressure on the closer. But if you tack on a few more runs and keep them, you know, three or four runs down into the eighth to ninth inning or more, that's when, you know, you bring that reliever and it feels a little more comfortable. That's what I don't think we've been doing well this year. Yeah, no, and I think Alex has mentioned this before that we just kind of lack a killer instinct. Yeah, I just feel like this year, just looking through kind of our schedule and how it's played out, I feel like there's never really been a point where we just really grabbed some momentum and went on a went on a run. I mean, we had we had the five games, the UNLV, Houston, those five games we won in a row, um, and then we had the last two against Ryder, and then 
the first two in that the the Frisco um, series. But other than that, we haven't won more than two games in a row outside of those two little streaks. It's just we we, we never get momentum as far as like full games going to the next game. Keep the momentum. It's you'll you, you win one, then you lose two, then you win a couple, then you go and lose six in a row, win two. Lost win, lost win. It, it's never really just a let's get on a roll and keep it going, and that's that's what I think they they really got to have here soon. You kind of just got to get one of those where you get on a roll and it's like, is anyone going to beat this team? And, and we haven't really we haven't really had that this year where where it felt like that. I mean, there's no there's no time like now to find that. <laughs> that would be be great if we could could start doing that. There's really not many options, but now, no, yeah. <laughs> don't I'm, don't you feel like a lot of it's been starting pitching uh, as well, not having you know really feeling super confident uh, in the weekend rotation at certain points in the season, and you know what? Who do you all think will will be in the rotation this week? Because I know Carmichael's had definitely getting some looks i think obviously um braxton's been great um so he'll, he'll be the friday guy but i i think it'll probably be him and i think you gotta you gotta put carmichael out there for one of the starts and then i think i think hit i think those are your three guys you gotta start this weekend just with kind of how they've been thrown and we're getting to the point where you gotta go out there and you gotta get quality starts or you are in for a long weekend against a, a tech team that can smash the baseball and then obviously looking at other series if you don't get good starting pitching especially the friday night game then you you'll be playing behind the the rest of the weekend as far as pitching goes and it's already as we know so far this year we haven't been real great out of the bullpen so use some of those those top guys you have in the bullpen up early on friday that maybe can't go saturday you just you put yourself in a world of hurt, um, not going out there and have quality starts from your starting pitching. Do you think that we see low-scoring games or high-scoring games this weekend? High. I think it's going to be high, too. I think the Tech makes a boatload of errors. And I, we put the put the ball in play a lot. But I also think the Tech has a pretty potent offense. So if we can keep them in the yard, and I, I'm, I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but if we can keep them from you know hitting – you know, multi-run home runs on us left and right. We have a real shot at a at a nice weekend. But if we let them, you know, dictate the the energy this weekend or dictate how the series goes, uh, it it might be disastrous. So, I think we see some crazy some crazy scores this weekend. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, Tech just looking at them. I mean, they lead the conference in average. They're hitting 320, and second is Oklahoma State at 299. So 20 points better than the second team in the conference. And they 306 RBIs. And I think second on here is like 250. So they, they score a lot of runs, lots of, lots of hits, um, lead the conference in triples, 49 home runs on the season. So it's a team that offensively, you better keep the ball down. Um, I, I get that they play at their ballpark there in Lubbock where the ball flies out 40 mile an hour wins. You just hit a pop up and it'll go out. Um, but it, it's still, it's a, it's a team that can hit the baseball. So we're going to have to spot some pitches. Can't leave anything over the middle. Um, and going to have to keep the ball down, um, or it could get, it could get very high scoring. So hopefully we're able to do that. Um, but yeah, I would say it's going to be a very offensive weekend, um, on both sides. 
Now, I think we have the ability to possibly dictate the weekend if we can have Douthat come out on Friday and be pretty, you know, be a showstopper like he has been and put up enough runs on our own that that one might be a, you know, a, a bit of a, uh, you know, difference maker. Uh, you know, let's let's start this thing with a bang. Maybe we go out and we put up a, you know, six one win or something like that. Because if Douthat can go go the distance in that one, I think that's a that's probably our best opportunity to to start things off and take the series is by taking game one because that will dictate the the momentum for the weekend. Yeah. No. Hey, what do you guys think? How many games do you guys think they've played away from Lubbock so far this year? Uh, I Eight. don't think it's many. Nine. I think it's many. Nine yeah. games. Yeah. Nine games. They are twenty-one and four at home. They're one and five on the road and one and two in neutral sites. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. They, uh, yeah, one and five on the road. So haven't got out of Lubbock a whole lot. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Yeah, no, it's a, that is insane. And I, I do remember early in the year, they had a lot of guys from the North coming in, down there and playing. I'm going to play the devil's advocate and say, we're going to have some, um, I'm going to say low scoring games for a Texas tech OU series, you know, five or six runs is low scoring. Uh, if that's what wins it. Uh, but I think we're going to have some low scoring games this weekend. I don't know. I just have this feeling that Dalf has found something. Um, and, and he's going to, you know, I know he had a lot of walks last week, but I mean, he didn't give up a run. Um, I think he's really found something. And then I just have some kind of feeling that Braden or that, uh, yeah, Braden Carmichael is just going to be this answer on the weekend. I don't know. I feel like if anyone out there on the team right now on the pitching staff can have kind of that bulldog mentality, it's Braden Carmichael. Yeah. He's the one that when you look at when he's out there, looks like the guy that is staring right through your soul. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. I'm taking you down. I don't care who gets in the box. I'm getting you out. And, and you don't like see that just look look in their eye i feel like from too many guys on the mound you see it from braxton um a bit but we just yeah just haven't seen too many guys just kind of have that attitude that you that you kind of want from especially guys out of, out of the pen that are coming for one to two innings give you max effort um go out and get you six outs um but that is one thing you have seen from Braden is he's just he's a competitor um and i think that's that's why he's having successes he's just if it's if it's doesn't feel like he has his best stuff, he's gonna go out there and do whatever he needs to to um, still get it over and get you out. And I think I think that has kind of separated him from some of the other guys um, so far this year. No, I agree, man, and I I think that you're right about Douthat. I I get that that energy from him. What you're talking about as far as that he's gonna dominate whoever steps in that box. I I. I really think that he can set the tone for us. I also think that the the Carmichael, like you guys have said, has really shown that he deserves to be a be a starter. I know that we like to use our midweeks as a you know a experiment ground or you know a, a test kitchen if that's what you want to call it. But it's we've said this before. It's getting to a point where we have got to start stacking W's and. Uh, Did you guys hear that? Yeah, what was that? It's not me. Brandon, did you hear that? Does it sound like a big whoosh? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think that was my computer fan just kicked on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I was like, it's the rapture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was the computer fan for sure. 
Oh man, that was that was freaky. What is that? And what were we talking about? <laughs> right. No, we were talking about Carmichael and starting pitching. We'll uh, we'll cut all that out. Uh, you can leave it in there. I think that's pretty funny, no, honestly. Funny. <laughs> Just mid-thought, like, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, during the ORU game, um, and especially... Sorry about that, by the way. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's like you look at who needs it more in the year, and... Uh, it's definitely OU needs the wins right now. So I'm, I'm fine with that. I will say ORU's pretty potent team. They, they're a couple of, they would have pulled out a couple of games earlier in the season. They would be, uh, you know, up near the top 50 of the RPI. It's pretty, pretty crazy year they're putting together. But I think the reason why a lot of teams have like the OUs, the techs, you know, we've seen uh, plenty of other schools have problems with the midweeks is because, mid-majors have four starters and they have like four starters. They, the whole year they're running four starters that, you know, this guy's going to be the midweek. These three guys are going to be on the weekend. And I think that bodes well for them. Cause I think they run into a lot of teams like OSU, OU, the, you know, Tex, any, any other power five school that's doing kind of like we've been doing all year. Every other team is dealing with, trying to figure it out on the midweek. Um, and I think the mid-majors play for the fact that they know they've got to win some of those games and they have a fourth starter. Excuse me, Brandon, but thank you for the charity win, by the way. <laughs> well, you needed it. Is that um, what we're calling it now? <laughs> that might be that might be better than, oh, well, that was their college. That was their World Series. That's their Omaha. That's their <laughs> Omaha. That's a new one, man. That's awesome. I'm glad you're a no you fan because if you weren't, you'd be you'd be roasted, my friend. <laughs> We're handing out charity wins now, so you guys go and enjoy that. That one's on us. That one's on us. We'll take the RPI hit. Actually, you know it's a quality win or quality loss, right? We're all about quality losses and uh, Division One <laughs> baseball. So, oh man, hey, quality loss- losses are definitely a thing, man. Competitive losses—that what we call? I think that's what we call them. That's hilarious, man. I hope you know I'm not not being. Oh no, I, was, I know. Thought it was hilarious. Brandon, are you uh, are you coming to town this weekend? Yeah, Saturday. You yep. are. Yep. Just Saturday. Just Saturday. Jerk. Just Saturday. Want, want, well, it's gonna be fun, man. I'm We're excited. gonna have a. We'll be having a pizza party. That is, uh, I talked to Russ and uh, Rob Patterson this, this week about that. So. We are full sinned. The only thing that might throw a little bit of a wrench, it's not going to like stop us, is that if we have to do a doubleheader on Saturday, we're trying to figure out if we'll uh, do it game one or like mm. have pizza for in-between games. Gotcha. Has anybody got any orange slices? <laughs> orange slices and uh, Capri Suns. That's right. So, to, I mean, I think we've kind of gone through the weekend to – Rounded out, I really have wanted to talk about a, a sensitive subject here. I've been wanting to talk about it for a few weeks. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of opinions about it. I know um, it's something that people really don't like to talk about. But what do you all think about the pitch clock this year? I thought it was going to be like something super controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. I was like, where is this going? He gave us no warning before this. I told you. I told you there was one coming. Oh. I, I was like, this is going to be super, super scandalous. I don't think you guys are going to like my opinion on it. I kind of like it. Johnny, don't. 
I thought I was going to bring up something that I was just going to get smacked down for. I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm in the same boat as you guys, and I don't think it's hardly affected OU games much at all this year. I like when you're able to to dictate things. I also like the fact that baseball is a pastoral and like there's a infiniteness about it, you know. And but it does kind of focus things into a nice, neat little box there. And I know that we can still go on forever if we need to, because no game is, is ever going to end. I mean, we've had ties before because of uh, travel restrictions or whatnot. But like if we're playing, you know. Game two in Omaha, game three in Omaha. They're not going to, they're the only thing that could make this terrible is if one of those games were to end on either a ball four pitch clock violation or a strike three pitch clock violation. How would you like to be a college world series champion that won that way? I, I just got to say, I'm shocked right now. I thought this was going to be a a huge, I, I, it's totally grown on me throughout the year. It really has. I, it has limited the number of relief pitchers that come out of the bullpen and take a minute and a half between each pitch, which is just excruciating for anyone to have to watch. Um, you know, it, I thought it's I thought it's been great. I'm I'm shocked to hear that you both feel the same way. Well, it's also created like a little bit of a game inside of the game. You know, it's, there's a little bit of games gamesmanship with it. You know, we've seen in the pros. What is it? Uh, Max Scherzer, who's been able to like basically manipulate hitters with his use of the of the pitch clock. Where it kind of goes south is when you get these umpires that are starting to you know get a little bit overzealous with this shit. You know, throwing people out of games for arguing about pitch clock, like your your uh. Pride is not taking a hit because someone disagreed with your evaluation of the pitch clock. It's not like they're questioning your strike zone. So that's the part that like kind of irritates me. But the rest of it, like the speed at which we're getting things done and how fast the game moves, it's somewhat pleasing. I'm sorry. I know most aren't going to like that. They're going to call me Johnny Fraudball now. <laughs> Alex, your your thoughts on the uh, on the pitch clock, other than the fact that you're. You're uh, you've come to the dark side on it. No, I like it. Um, I, I definitely do. I, I don't think we've seen too many instances, especially in the OU games. I know there's been instances across the country that you've seen on Twitter. Um, and some, like Johnny said to the extreme where it ends a baseball game or whatever it may be. Um, that, that'd be a rough way for the game to end. Um, but no, I like it. Um, it doesn't, doesn't make the game where it's a two hour game um, and really changes up too much. It shaves off what, 15, 20 minutes off the game, which um, I don't think is the end of the world. And I think pace of play, I think you had a lot of people that were even starting. Well, obviously, OU softball is fun to watch anyways. But OU saw those games are just so much more fast-paced because they get in the circle, they go. Um, and, and I think you're starting to see people that will come out, stay for the whole game because it's not a marathon of a game. It seems like it's fast-paced, something's happening. You're not just sitting there for a minute in between pitches. Um while the pitcher's getting the sign, shaking his head a couple times, stepping off, getting back in there. Um, so I think it speeds it up just enough to where it it keeps the um, fan engagement um, a little bit better uh, and more in tune and, and maybe keeping people around a little bit more um, during the games. I'm just thankful we didn't have to break up the podcast after tonight in that question. <laughs> You're amongst friends, Brandon. <laughs> No, I mean, you're, it's crazy what it's what it's done. I mean, you were talking about how it shaved 15, 
15 or so minutes off the game. I think what they said in the ML game, MLB game, it's 20 to 30 minutes off. And so now they're having to start like extending beer sales into the eighth, eighth inning instead of uh, stopping it in the seventh because the beer companies were taking such a massive hit because the games are going so fast that the they're losing out. I, threw, I If I put a number to it, I'd be lying, but I saw that it was several, you know, like 20 or $30 million off of losses alone. Well, I guess more That's, people need to do the beer and hot dog challenge. Oh man. What if that just became like the standard <laughs> for every, every game? All right, we're going to the game. Make sure you have enough money for <laughs> nine beers and nine hot dogs. Well, no, you can just start having like, uh, what is it, uh, uh, special nights at the ballpark. We're having the Babe Ruth Challenge Night at the ballpark. Oh, yeah. Collect your vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Do it on Tuesday nights, Dollar Hot Dog Night. Well, I mean, that Dollar Hot Dog Night pretty much is. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Babe Ruth Challenge Night. <laughs> that's hilarious. So I guess, I guess getting back to this weekend a little bit, what would your guys' prediction be on how how we do this weekend as far as wins, losses, and then who do you think is kind of your breakout player uh, from an OU standpoint as far as offensively and defense or offensively and on the, on the staff? I think it goes, uh, I think it's, I'm sorry if how I explain this might be a little weird. I think we win Friday night. I think we're probably going to lose Saturday. And then I believe it's going to be a toss up Sunday. Uh, if Carmichael is the guy who starts Sunday, I think we have a very good shot at, at, uh, pulling that one off. I just think it's they're just that potent of an offense that it's going to be difficult for us. But I could easily see us going two, two, going two and one, uh, but I could also see, see us getting swept. So, But I'm going to err on the side of two and one. Uh, win Friday, lose, lose uh, Sunday. Or, sorry, win Friday, lose Saturday, win Sunday. And who's your, who's your guys? Who, who offensively you think has a big weekend for us and uh, who, who, who throws well? I think Madrin's going to have another nice weekend. I really think that he's catching fire. I think that you're probably going to see some more, uh, uh, you know, fireworks out of uh, Spikerman. I really want to see Nicholas have a, a really nice weekend. The The boy needs it. I mean, he's not playing terrible baseball. It's just he's just not had that breakout moment. And I think that this is, you know, another weekend, another quality opponent. We're probably going to be in a situation where, you know, either the game is on the line or we need to extend a lead to get some insurance runs and he's going to be the man in the box. And if he's, if he's the one, then I think he, this might be the weekend he can have that, that moment. And as far as pitching goes, uh, I think a lot of it hinges on Carmichael having a good start this weekend, whatever day it is, he's, he's out there. This is a very good, good team as far as a very, you know, heavy offense, offensive oriented team that we're about to play. You can't say that they're, you know, super, amazing just because of how badly they kick the ball around but that offense is second to to none it's another you know uh stanford-esque offensive lineup and so if we can have good pitching this weekend we we have a good shot at at, at winning because we've got a nice nice lineup ourselves i just think if we play play some clean games we got a real chance to to make some noise. Yeah, I'd, I'd go ahead and say two and one as well. I think it's really going to come down to what team, either on Friday or Saturday, gets a, you know, one or two, maybe three max, you know, pitching effort. So three, two to three guys, you know, if, if you can keep away from having to use uh, in one game four or five of, of, of your relievers in order to get through the game. Um, I think that's going to bode well on Sunday. But, you know, 
players to watch on the mound. Uh, yeah, we've already said Carmichael. I, I'm going to take it Carson Atwood as well. I think he's kind of become our long reliever a little bit. Um, and I just feel like there's going to be a game this weekend where we need to get three or four innings out of someone out of the bullpen. I don't know what game it's going to be, but I feel like there's going to be one. And, and if we can do that, especially if it's on Friday or Saturday, uh, it's going to be really important to keep the other guys fresh and you're going to need to get some, some innings out of someone. So Carson Atwood, I'll throw Carson at, at, in there. And then, uh, yeah, Madron for sure. And I feel like Rocco hits pretty well at home. And I've just I've just been on the Rocco train this year, so the kid's just fun to watch. So, those my two. Uh, you know, I think Carter Campbell is also another one to to think about. I think if he has some solid innings this weekend, that gives us a, our chances of taking the series go up up exponentially. If he has some some uh, has a solid outing, but if we're if we're in a situation to win a ball game, I, I still think we roll with Weber. I think Weber is a, is a quality pitcher. I think he's got the ice water in his veins, and I think that that's a, another one to, to think about this weekend as well on the mound. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you guys. I think it's 2-1 and one or 1-2. One and two. I'm going to lean on the side of 2-1. and one. I think uh, Braxton has a, a really good start on Friday like he, like he has been. Um, I think we win a close game. Um, and then I'm kind of on the same page with Johnny, I think, I think maybe we struggle Saturday and lose that one, and we win Sunday with how Carmichael's been throwing. Um, you guys kind of stole my guys, um, but I, I think I'm as far as on the pitching staff. I think Weber is one um, that will be key. I think I think we'll be in some close games, even in the ones we win, um, that we're going to really have to lean on him and, and, and Carson Pierce and some of those back end guys that we've seen. Um, so I'm thinking those, those two guys are going to be key guys um, for us to get over the hump and, and win the series this weekend. And offensively, I was going to say the same thing as you, um, Schultze. I think Rocco, he hits really well at home, and, and I think he, he's due to get going a little bit. He obviously was hot there for a little while, cooled off, but I think I think he's going to get back in the groove here at home this weekend. Um, and another person, I, I think Sebastian Orduño, I, I think I've said it from the very beginning of the season, that guy's a guy that has quality at bats each and every time. It seems like he's up there at the plate, and I think – I think he's going to have another big weekend, um, knock the ball around a little bit, and and have a have a solid weekend for us. Our chances of doing well this weekend are just as much as if we were going to get you know get get stomped on. I mean it it's it's very difficult to predict you know which OU team is going to show up because is it going to be Thursday night Stanford or is it going to be Saturday Stanford you know or, or Friday Friday Stanford. You know, or Saturday stamp. This is a, a very telling series for us because we have an opponent that we can, you know, I'm not necessarily saying we can bully, but we can pick at him. This is a team that if you put the ball in play, they can be their own worst enemy. That could also be said for us. And so, you know, if if our frontline guys can have good days and if our relief pitchers can even just be serviceable, we we will have a decent weekend and I think our shot at at a, you know, winning a big 12 series or, are, are, are there. I think, I think that'll be the key as far as defensively They're They're not real sound um, is just having the good at bats. And maybe it doesn't come from, from a hit getting on base, but just getting guys on base and creating the chaos that is the identity of this team when we're playing well. Um, I think that is the key. If we can get guys on base get guys in motion, I, I think we'll see them make some errors um, and maybe steal some runs. Um, but I think that is 
offensively going to be the biggest key. Um, it doesn't take the big shot in the gap, um, the home run every single time. But if we can just get guys on base from quality at bats, I think the rest of it kind of takes care of itself just with what we can do on the base pass. Um, kind of like, kind of like we saw um, on, what was that, Tuesday? Yeah, you know, sandlot these guys. Just, you know, singles, doubles, singles, and let the home runs happen. Because, you know, what we've been talking about now that we, you know, you kind of put all this stuff together that all of us have commingled in this podcast, if you think about it, we're going to have to play. We're going to have to have some low-scoring games this weekend to have a shot. I mean, we have a good, we have a very good offense at times, but it's also hot and cold at times. And I, I don't know if we've got the, got the, you know, firepower to get into a gun battle with them. So, I mean, if it's a, you know, if we're looking at 20 run games, I don't know if that's where, where we're going to be. If we're playing, you know, six, five, four, one, you know, three, two games like that, that's where we're going to have, have a shot. If we can keep it like that, that's where we're going to have the, the best shot to take a, the series this weekend. I think the other big key is they're one and five on the road. So, yeah, no, that's huge. That is huge. They don't like playing away from Lubbock. They like their forty mile an hour winds going straight out. You're not wrong, man. And if we can get a, a nine by nine by nine or a Babe Ruth challenge out there <laughs> on the berm, I know that that will motivate the team. Like if we could hold up signs every time someone knocks down a slice of pizza <laughs> and a beer. Uh, just to show the team on the field. Cause you know, they really care what we do up there. They pay attention. <laughs> That's right. That is right. But that'll be what, what pushes them over the top. Yep. No doubt. But no, yeah, it's like you said, huge weekend, um, not only for the huge. team to try to get right um, and get playing some good baseball, but obviously conference standing wise down there, Oklahoma in last right now and Texas tech in in seventh. So, um, kind of a big weekend for both teams to to kind of right the ship and, and get moving up the standings. So hopefully we can get a get a couple wins this weekend um, and not just get a couple wins, but also start playing quality baseball um, so that we can kind of maybe ride some momentum into the midweek and and later on into into conference because um, it's definitely um, do or die time. We we got to make a run um, and we we can't wait much longer. We're gonna run out of time. So. Hopefully, hopefully we can get it going this weekend. That's a big time midweek, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, Brandon, are we going to that? We are. I keep forgetting. That's going to be fun. Yeah, this this next week, as far as just the schedule, I mean, <laughs> Texas Tech at home, and then you got Oklahoma State at Stillwater, and then you go to Texas. That is a that's a gauntlet right there of seven games. Are we wearing burn bum shirts? We did last year. I mean, we might as we well. Did. But we also got our ass kicked last year when we warmed. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the Big 12 standings, we're, we're only three behind in the loss column. I know three, That's I know that's a weekend. Um, but it's not as bad as you might think. So, you know, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. And it's like you said, we just got to pick it up, find our stride, string some wins together, and, you know, we'll be all right. But this week, this weekend is it. Yeah, no, we are, this is the crossroads. And so we are going to have to figure something out down the stretch here. And because it does not get easy. I mean, you turn, like we just said, you turn around and you got Texas you know, on the road next week. But there's plenty of time. We just got to find some, some momentum. And I don't know, guys, it's, it's been, it's, it has been a fun season. I always enjoy these, you know, whatever, whatever happens. I'd rather us be playing, be playing baseball than not. But we're, we're definitely, looking uh, down the barrel right now. 
What else? It looks like um, in the Big 12 this weekend, a um, couple other, uh, really just one other kind of big series as far as Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Those are the only two kind of, I would say, top of the conference type teams that are playing this weekend. Um, Kansas, Kansas State, the, the big Sunflower Showdown this weekend. And then it looks like Texas is on the road at Baylor. Um, so that's kind of what's going on in the Big 12 this week. So, Brandon, you said we're three back in the Big 12? In the lost column, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, no, they, we still have room to, to make moves. It's just a very difficult road to hoe the rest of the way. The, like, some of these series have been pretty wild as far as uh, – some of the top teams, you know, playing down to the to the lower tier teams. Oh yeah, no, Oklahoma State seven and five. We're only one behind them in the lost column. I mean, yeah, you look at, uh, I mean, whew, man, I mean, Texas is the team right now that if you were to ask me to pick the Big Twelve winner right now, I'd pick Texas because of the they've already gotten two or three of their most difficult uh, conference opponents out of the way, and they're sitting six and three. So, I mean, who knows? No, there's a lot, lot can happen and down the stretch. So, you know, I hate if anybody thinks that we're sitting here being ho-hum and negative about the rest of, you know, what could happen. It's just that, you know, we're only going off what we've seen so far. And what happens the rest of this year remains to be seen. So, and, we'll and the good news out is, one way or the other. The good news is it's only up from here in conference. Right. We can only go up yep. the standings. So, yeah, let's make that move. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Thank you for that reminder. Toby <laughs> reminded us in the middle of the game. There's no going down, so let's just move on up the move up up move the standings. I forget that we are in dead last, aren't we? We are. My in... percentage points are outright. Uh, it's it's outright. Well, no, Yay. I take that back. We are we are technically tied with Baylor in percentage points, um, but we do have. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty much outright. Anyway, you cut it. We're we're definitely the the worst. We are not going to finish last. We are not. I can almost promise you that. But no, we've got a lot to look forward to as far as you know what's going on in this podcast and the season, you know, for OU baseball. But uh, this Monday, we're going to have Russ Ortiz, Bucky Buckles, and Damon Miner for a, a little roundtable discussion. We're gonna that'll we'll be recording it, not releasing that day, but we'll be recording that session, and hopefully we'll have that out for. Uh, Alumni weekend uh, over the Kansas series, Alex, you're going to be in be in that weekend, aren't you? I will be. Been locking down the plans, um, kind of seeing who all's coming. I'm going to play some golf Friday when we get in town Friday morning, um, and then do kind of all the festivities they they have planned for alumni weekend. So, looking forward to being back in Norman. It's been um, it's been far too long, so I'm going to be bringing the wife with me. Um, so we're we're pretty excited to get back and um, just enjoy Norman, enjoy some baseball, hopefully some good weather. Um, and just having a weekend away from the children. Um, it'll be nice. Oh, man, that's awesome. Are y'all going to play uh, Jimmy Austin? I don't know where we're playing. I think I'm playing with Jacob Evans, Cole Stevens. Uh, I'm not sure who else, um, but we haven't we haven't locked down anywhere yet, uh, but we'll we'll find somewhere. What's that one out in Blanchard? Uh, winter? I, f- I forget what it's called. Man, it's a real I- nice one in between – Norman and Blanchard. I was so broke in college that we pretty much only played the Lynx because someone lived over there or we went up <laughs> to, oh, what is, I can't even remember the one up there. Um, North Norman. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but that we did not play too many nice courses whenever I was in college. I mean, there's that one that's on like uh, 40, 
44 South or something like that. It's up over past O Triple C. It's like a par three golf course. It's mm-hmm. got a bar attached to it. <laughs> You have to play that one sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. Singing some karaoke afterwards. <laughs> you know, I'm you know I'm in. You wait. No, you said be... where, that place was where? It's over. I'm gonna look this. It's up down, it's a... um, going past um, a river wind, going south, right? Oh no, 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 no! This uh, this is further, further west. Uh, yeah, because there was a place. Um, whenever I was a junior, my first year at Oklahoma, it seemed like. Every Friday night, maybe it's Saturday nights, but um, after the games, literally, we would go and our parents would all go and they'd be getting pictures. There's karaoke night. Um, all the parents were just out there having a great time. I can't remember what that place was called. JR's Pub and Grill. <laughs> That's what it's called, man. That might have been it. But yeah, it was it was a good old time. Oh, no, this is a full on bar. It's got dancing darts. uh pitchers like you said but they got karaoke on friday night and they got a par three golf course attached to it up and downstairs oh is it two, is it does it have an upstairs uh, i think so it's pretty big man it's got these two big silos that sit out in front of it yeah i, I can't remember it was usually dark by the time we got over there but. it was on southwest 149th in oklahoma city but yeah, no, I've, uh, I, when I used to go down to uh Chickasha and Duncan all the time, I used to drive by that place and I'd see people out there at like <laughs> playing uh par three golf at like, you know, noon or uh, 11 on a Wednesday, you know, like, wouldn't that be is, nice? <laughs> what drew you, drew you there, man? Yeah. <laughs> that's no. a, that's a good life you got. Yeah. Bud. No kidding. Who wants to hit the, uh, the karaoke in par three? No kidding. So speaking of alumni weekend, I know you had talked about possibly having some plans in place for kind of a tailgate on that Saturday. Has anything come together on that, that we can maybe get a good old crowd out there? Yeah, no. Well, at first we had talked about having maybe something special, like, you know, I don't know. I like to cook. And so I didn't know if we were going to, you know, have anything special for that, but we're going to go ahead and have a pizza party that weekend. And uh, I know we're kind of, kind of double back, but Russ Ortiz is actually going to be here for the tech series this weekend for uh, Saturday and Sunday games. And he's probably going to stop by the berm, say hello. I think he's going to have his family with him. So he probably won't be able to stay too long or get too rowdy, but no, we're planning on having a, a pizza party that Saturday. And uh, we're, we're working on, cause I think the, the schedule says it's one time, but the, whatever primer for it or whatever they have, there's two different times for the Saturday game for some reason. Uh, cause I think you're, uh, packet says that it's at four o'clock, doesn't it? Yeah, I was told it was like a. I think it was a three o'clock game, and there's a okay. tailgate started at one three o'clock game, and then we had stuff going on that night, and then on the schedule it shows six thirty. So I'm not sure we really know. <laughs> right. See, and the same things happening for the tech game on Saturday. Uh, it says that it's at two o'clock, but uh, everybody at OU is telling me that it's at four. So gotcha. It's the schedule's kind of wonky, but no, we're planning on having a big party. Uh, hoping we can get a lot of alumni out there to hang out with us on the berms. You know, we'll show them a good time. We we sure have a good time on our own. We'd love to share that experience with some of them so that we can start, uh, you know, building a little bit of the alumni base back. I know the OU's probably got some some great things planned for you guys, but any alumni that wants to stop by, you know, have a slice and have a beer and you know, do their own uh, Doc B challenge. That'd be <laughs> <laughs> if we could get uh, Cody Wren to, to come back from, uh, I think he lives in Louisiana now, but if we get Cody Wren to come back and uh, do that, I think he'd be like, 
this is an awesome thing. Who do you think, Alex, of people you've played with could accomplish the uh, Babe Ruth Challenge? Um, man, I'm not sure. I was thinking as far as the eating goes, it seemed like Stoney, Austin O'Brien, could just eat anything. Um, but he wasn't a drinker. So, um, man, I might have to get back to you on that. I, I really can't think of who it would be. Maybe Alec Hansen, just because he was huge. Oh, Alec Hansen was massive. Yeah, he's 6'8", 9,900 miles an hour. I think I might have the uh, perfect person for this. And I know he's no longer on our team. But, I mean, the the big Canadian himself. I mean, I'm sure the beer would be absolutely no problem for him being Canadian and all. But Ben Abram? Oh, yeah. I think Ben could probably tackle that. He'd be like, I eat nine sausages on my own, man. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> That's lunch. Brandon, who do you think would be the best OU player, past or present? Past or present? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know. I, I think you you might be fooled by someone who's just maybe a little bit crazy. You know, someone that's just a little bit crazy. Not, not a big guy, but, you know, they're just going to do anything. I don't know. I don't know the personalities of guys very well from the older days, but uh, I don't know. Maybe like... You're thinking about someone like oh, Blake Robertson was a pretty big kid. You know, I was thinking. I think that. he wouldn't. I I think he wouldn't turn away a challenge like that. No, I think he would. I think he could probably do it. That's that's a that's a really good one because I was thinking that one as well. What about Obersty? I don't know if you guys remember him. Obesty. Oh yeah, that guy could probably do it. Anthony Hermelin. <laughs> I think he might have been a. Her might be able to do it. A good candidate for that. Yeah, her might be able to do that. What about? Uh, a young Skip Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask him. There you go. <laughs> like, now, back in your in the old days, do you think you could have tackled nine beers and nine hot dogs? I did that while I was sitting in the stand waiting for that turkey <laughs> to pop out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's like, funny. That's a, uh, like, that was a typical uh, Tuesday night in Navarro for us. No, no kidding. <laughs> well, guys, looking forward to it. Big weekend ahead, big couple weeks ahead um, as we kind of continue on through the, the, the conference run here. So um, like like we talked about, do or die time. I think we kind of get it going a little bit this, this weekend and hopefully we can carry some momentum through the midweek against Oklahoma State and on into Texas and kind of get on a roll here. It's a good good couple of weeks, like we said, to, to kind of get it going against some quality teams, um, I think go out here, go two and one, win the midweek and somehow win this, the Texas series as well. You go, um, five and two, is that something? Yeah. Five and two in that. I think you really get a, a big boost to your RPI, your confidence, um, as a team and, and can, can really get this thing going in a, in a good direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Uh, it is definitely do or die. Uh, it's huge, huge weekend for us. I think that, uh, you know, if a quality, if a, you know a, a potent OU baseball team shows up, you know when they play their their best game, there's not many people in the country who can beat them. Uh, sometimes they're just their worst enemy, and if we can, you know, avoid those situations this weekend, we got a got a good shot. And a, a series win this weekend is definitely a, a springboard opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fellas, we're, we've gone over a little bit over an hour now. I, uh, I'm just going to revisit the uh, the Lupton Drinking Club's 9x9x9. So they got five guys, right, who are doing it. What is our uh, 
who do you like out of out of the five do you think it's going to be one you know two three four or five i'm going to say they probably get three no two of the five through it yeah i'd say two is probably a good good number i would you agree think that's the safe bet i think that's the safe bet uh i'm i'm going with one i mean it's hard yeah it just it sounds miserable uh i just I don't see too many of them do it. I see one that just sees the others struggling. That's like, nope, I'm doing this whether I feel miserable for a month or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think only one of them gets it done. Well, boys over at the Lumpton Drinking Club, sorry if we offended you, but yeah, we we only believe that one or two of you will make it through the uh, <laughs> nine by nine by nine. Post some videos. No streaking on the field. <laughs> let's let's say if OU sweeps this weekend, and uh, or. Let's say they take two of three out of this one and then take two out of three out of uh, from Texas alumni weekend on one of those games. I will do a uh, a uh, Doc B challenge. I, I like be, it. I will, I will watch for you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I will watch you. So get, let's uh, get the trumpet ready now so we can play taps whenever I uh, keel over in the sixth city. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but. All right, fellas. Well, it was, it was another great session, another great uh, episode of the Oklahoma Baseball Experience. Let's have a good weekend and a boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner.